Good, man. Um, good to be here. Um, hello to everyone and to everyone watching online as well. Um, as Nikki and Pip said, my name's Isaac. I'm part of the team here at HDB. Uh, I'm a presenter, author, and rapper, and I'm sure you'll be pleased to know I'm not going to be rapping for you <laughs> this morning. Um, instead, I'm going to be sharing a few thoughts around a passage in the Bible. Um, I've had quite a lot of time to, to read this passage and, and think about it because for the last two weeks, there's been no Premier League football. Um, came back yesterday, but prior to that, uh, there was no football in the Premier League for two weeks. So I was kind of at home trying to think of things to do. Um, I tidied the house quite a bit, put up some IKEA furniture, I uh, watched a new series on Netflix, and I spent a lot of time with my, my lovely wife, who's great. Um, apart from the fact that she consistently uh, takes, steals, borrows, whichever you prefer, items of clothing from my wardrobe. Um, we kind of got there in stages. Started with, oh, babe, can I borrow your hoodie, please? Um, and then it became our hoodie, uh, so she didn't have to ask no more. And now I have to ask to borrow back my hoodie. <laughs> so I hope you appreciate what I went through to wear this today actually uh, brings us quite nicely onto the passage for today because it reminds me of my wife. Um, it's from Matthew 5 verse 38 and the title of my talk today is Love Over Hate. So Matthew 5 38 says, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. That's not the bit that reminds me of my wife, by the way. Uh, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt or your hoodie, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I grew up going to church because my family are Christian, and I remember being younger and reading some Bible verses and thinking to myself, oh, like, this, this Christian life, it seems all right. I reckon I could just about manage it. Um, and there were other Bible passages that made me think, absolutely no chance. I could never do that. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. I remember reading that and thinking, you must be having an absolute bubble bath, mate, an absolute laugh. But the more and more I reflect, the more and more I look at the world we live in today, the more I think that these verses are a beautiful challenge. Firstly, and just for some background, Jesus is looking at the way the Old Testament law is being interpreted at the time. And what he's doing is correcting the views of that time and giving the true meaning. In those days, the punishment was proportionate to the crime. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. The law was designed for the law courts, but if people misinterpreted it, it could very easily turn into revenge. Jesus isn't a God of retaliation or revenge, but he's a God of justice. Also, at the time that Jesus was given these teachings, the slap on the cheek was given by masters to their servants. It was like a sign of demanding authority and respect, status and power. 
When verse 40 says, if anyone sues you and takes your shirt, give them your coat as well. It was talking about the fact that back then, the clothes on your back were all some people had. So if someone was to sue you, they were literally taking everything you had. And in verse 41, when it says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too, it was talking about the fact that back then, soldiers would get civilians to carry their packs for them for a mile, and the civilian would just have to do it and miss work for the day, which is obviously very inconvenient. Just imagine you were going about your daily business on your way to work, and someone comes out of South Kensington Station and says, oh, hey, you, I'm knackered. Here's my backpack. Can you carry it for a mile with me? And you just have to do it and miss work for the day. I know some of you are thinking, oh, I get to miss work. Doesn't sound too bad. Contextualizing this passage and looking at the world we live in today, I guess the question that I get from reading these verses is, what does it mean to turn the other cheek? What does it mean to give generously? And what does it mean to love our neighbor? Jesus tells us that the greatest commandment in the Bible is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. The definition of neighbor means to be situated next to or near. So that can happen by location, but maybe we can go a step further than that. As we read on in Matthew, verse 46 and 47 says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? We tend to love people who are just like us because it's easy. For example, I love every single West Ham fan that I meet because I'm a West Ham fan. We tend to be more inclined to like people who support the same teams as us, the same political parties, go to the same church, watch the same TV shows because it's, it's not hard. They're just like us. But that means that we're more inclined to dislike people who aren't like us. I'm convinced that some people have subconsciously become our enemies just for the pure fact that they're different, just for the pure fact that they hold a different opinion to us. You just have to look at the last few years to see how divided we can become. Um, Leave versus remain, vaccinated versus unvaccinated, taking the knee versus not taking the knee, pineapple on pizza versus no pineapple on pizza. It's fine to hold different opinions and be passionate about them, but if we're not careful, we can create unnecessary enemies when really there's true beauty in unlikely friends. With that being said, if you put pineapple on pizza, you should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) We can still be friends, though. We need to try our best to fight against the comfortable, exclusive, boring nature of just sticking with our own people and learn to embrace, understand, empathize with, and celebrate our differences because there is real beauty in unlikely friendships. Take this picture, for example. You know, I'm sure when this duck was walking over to that dog, probably thought, oh, just like hanging around with other ducks, you know? But you can't deny there's, there's real beauty in that picture. Take this other one that I found, for example, you know? Um, <laughs> sure, the dog thinks, you know, Dog's a man's best friend. I prefer getting walked by humans in an ideal world, but I'll give this monkey a little go. And you can't deny there's, there's true beauty in that unlikely friendship. You know, take this, this next picture, for example. This is uh, me 
and the vicar of this church, Nikki Gumbel. What I love about this one is someone's put my rap name underneath the image of Nikki. <laughs> which means this unlikely friendship works so well that people can't tell who the rapper is anymore. <laughs> and we can't forget the ultimate unlikely friendship. Jesus and I, Jesus and you, Jesus and us. Despite our sinful nature and his sinless nature, he decided to, to die for us so that we can be free. And when he could have made us enemies, he chose to make us his friends. Verse 43, it says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's not easy to love your enemies. It's not easy to love people that have hurt you, that have caused you extreme pain, that have embarrassed you. Doesn't Jesus know how difficult it is to do that? The truth is he does because he's done it. He's felt it. He's prayed for people that have persecuted him. He's led by example and he knows it's difficult. And I actually think that's probably part of the reason he asks us to pray. Prayer softens our hearts. Prayer helps us go against our natural instincts. It helps us practice Christian values rather than following the pattern of retaliation and revenge and getting even. Doesn't even work. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, because no one ever wants evens. Like, have you ever seen someone punch someone in the face and then the other person punches them back and then they high five and go and get a drink? You know? just, it just doesn't happen because we don't want evens. I grew up on a council estate in East London and in 2009, a teenager from my area was stabbed to death by a couple of people from a neighboring postcode. Some of his friends were rightly angry, but they wanted revenge. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Nothing appeals more to the human nature. It makes sense. You got us, so now we have to get you. His friends retaliated and murdered someone from the opposing postcode. They thought it was evens but not at all, because the problem is we don't just go one for one. Human condition is to escalate things. Last year, April 2020, 11 years on, there was another murder in the area I grew up in. And when I speak to my friends and some of the organizations combating youth violence in that area, they tell me that it all links back to the very first one, 11 years on. And as you can imagine, there's been a few in between a never-ending cycle of retaliation and revenge. Martin Luther King says, through violence you may murder the hater, but you do not murder hate. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. The only thing that's ever going to break the cycle is forgiveness, love and justice. But as I know, and as some of you might know, that's really hard. It's hard to love people that we deem unlovable. It's hard to forgive people that we deem unforgivable. And sometimes it's hard to trust the justice system to work for us. But God knows all of that. And that's why he doesn't merely ask us to forgive those who persecute us. He asks us to pray for them, pray for them. Because prayer changes things and prayer changes us. Now it begs the question. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that, um, begs the question, because... It sounds like whenever someone says that, they're about to say something really important afterwards. Like, could you imagine if I was just like, begs the question, 
what level of spice do you have at Nando's? Like, it'll just be, just be a bit weird. Um, <laughs> begs the question, is Jesus telling us to be a doormat and just get treated any way, anyhow? Is he asking us to forget about justice and forget about fairness? It's actually something I've been asking myself recently at home because my son Ezra is two years old now and we made the decision to take the sides off of his cot um, for a couple of reasons. Number one was he kept trying to climb out of the cot in the morning and it was quite dangerous. Um, But the main reason, and the second one, is because I'm tired of hearing da-da, da-da, da-da at 6.30 in the morning. Um, So we decided to take the sides off of the cot. Uh, took a while for him to get used to it. On the first night, I went upstairs to check on him, and this is how I found him. Uh, he had rolled out of bed and onto the floor, but being the great dad that I am, I put him back in bed after 10 minutes of laughing at him and taking pictures. <laughs> I did some research on one of my favorite websites. It's a website called Mumsnet, and... If you don't know about Mumsnet, you know, it's where like mums can chat to each other and give each other tips about like DIY and parenting and that stuff. And I know I'm not the only guy that sneaks on there when their wife's gone to bed, yeah? <laughs> anyway, on Mumsnet, it said that you've got to be careful when you take the sides off the cot because your child can just get up in the middle of the night and wander around the house and it can be quite dangerous. You know, personally, I don't prescribe to that. I think if it means that I get a lion, if Ezra wants to wake up and wander around the house, be my guest, even if he wanted to open the front door and, and go for a stroll. Live your best life, son. Do what you want. <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking. Um, but I was expecting the next day for Ezra to wake up, you know, wander out of bed and come say hello. But instead, I just heard, da-da, da-da, da-da. And I went into his room and he was just standing on the edge of the bed shouting my name. And I was like, your chains have gone. You've been set free. <laughs> and... Uh, That's when I realized that I am actually his doormat and he does what he wants. But is Jesus telling us to be a doormat? I don't think he is. I don't think he wants us to lose our dignity and be walked all over. We see time and time again in the Bible, Jesus standing up for injustice. He flipped tables in the temple. Um, There wasn't no camera phones at the time, but it would have gone viral. Uh, But in this passage, I think Jesus is looking at our hearts. If we're focused on revenge and retaliation, it builds pride and self-sufficiency and a hard heart. It's the same with not having grace towards people who aren't like us, and it's the same with not being generous. I think it's really important to say that Jesus is a, a firm advocate for standing up to injustice. In Romans 13, it says, those who refuse to obey the law of the land are refusing to obey God, and punishment will follow. The police, the justice system, the government churches, they all exist for a reason, and they can all help us find justice. Whether or not you think they do that, um, or could do it in a more productive way, is another story, but God cares about justice, and so should we. It's Black History Month at the moment, and when I really dig into these verses, I recognize that Jesus wants us to live in an equal society, where we love our neighbors, and even those who aren't like us. He wants structures and governments to create fair policies and in our own personal lives, he wants us to trust that he will defend us. It's wrong to think that by turning the other cheek, Jesus means that there is no place for punishment or retribution in society. That's not what he's saying at all. 
He's talking to our personal relationships and the condition of our hearts and not to the proper functions of government in restraining evil or us playing our parts in seeking justice for each other. In the passage that we've been reading about, he's actually speaking to an oppressed people under the occupation of Roman Empire. It's in this context that he says, the kingdom of God is seen not when we take vengeance into our own hands, but when love overcomes hate. My parents are Ghanaian, so I go back to Ghana every couple of years. And on a recent visit, I decided to to go to an old slave castle in Ghana. It was in a place called Elmina. Very emotional and loaded thing to experience, knowing what some of my ancestors went through at the hands of slave masters. Something that was quite hard to deal with when I was there was finding out about a guy called John Newton. He was an Anglican clergy member and was one of the main slave traders at Elmina. He's also the guy that wrote Amazing Grace, a song that I know and I love and I've sung for most of my life. It was written by someone that invested in the slave trade. He ended up apologizing and fighting for the abolition of slavery, but much damage had already been done. Uh, This is a picture that I took when I was there, uh, which I love. It says, in everlasting memory of the anguish of our ancestors. May those who died rest in peace. May those who return find their roots. May humanity never again perpetrate such injustice against humanity. We, the living, vow to uphold this. As difficult as that was to process, as difficult as it is to sing that song, as much as I hope and pray for justice in our world today, As much as I'd love for us to be a people that love our neighbours and defend those who can't defend themselves, I also know that I am not exempt from the challenge of these verses, to love my enemies and to pray for them. That's in my personal relationships and wherever else possible. And it's so hard, but I know that God's grace is sufficient. For me, sometimes turning the other cheek might mean singing Amazing Grace and the truth in that song, despite who wrote it and the things that they did. Might mean praying for those who persecute me. And for you, radical love, forgiveness and generosity might mean something completely different. But three things that I'd love to leave you with. Number one is be open to unlikely friendships because they're some of the most beautiful friendships that you'll have. Number two Instead of responding to personal insults or attacks with retaliation or revenge, try to respond in prayer and with love. Conservative MP Sir David Amos tragically lost his life a few days ago, and I came across a comment on Instagram that really hit me, and it said this, people don't always see eye to eye, that's a given, but you talk, you argue, you debate, you understand your differences, and you try and find middle ground. Life isn't black and white, it's a sea of greys, but what makes us human is our ability to bridge the gaps with words and not violence. We're the only species on earth that can do that, and we still resort to violence. Last one's number three, and it's follow the example of Jesus. When we think how Jesus himself was insulted, attacked, spoken against, we see how he lived these principles himself. We have a phrase where I grew up, real recognize real. 
And I've realized that Jesus is the realist because everything he told us to do, he did himself. He lived everything he said. I love the ending of verse 45. Pray for those who persecute you so you may become like your father in heaven. In other words, so you can become like Jesus. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It's funny like when we read stuff like that in the Bible, I don't know, I speak for myself. I always read like the righteous as me and the unrighteous as like the other guys. But we're all unrighteous. We're all imperfect and we're only made righteous through Jesus. So I'd love to challenge myself and some of you here today and those of you watching online, if I can. In your personal life, maybe there's an enemy or an antagonist, someone that you have a hard heart towards. If you're struggling to pray for them, I want you to know that God's grace is sufficient and he can help you. Or you might be struggling to love your neighbor. Might be struggling to love and accept people who aren't like you. Maybe they don't have the same upbringing or belief system or interests. Maybe you have a percentage of prejudice in your heart. Even if it's 1%, it's too much. But I want you to know that God's grace is sufficient and he can help you. And I pray and I know that he will.